you know, as we kind of think about the message this morning, you know, we all have something in our life that we wish we could change. You know, if, you know, as you kind of think about it, uh, you know, we all have something in our mind that as we consider it, we, we wish we were, you know, taller or faster or thinner or smarter or whatever. And if you, as you kind of think about your life as well, you think about your character, there's definitely something I bet you could, you wish that you could change about yourself. You know, as you think about it, you probably have thought to yourself, uh, you know, I wish I was more patient. I wish I was more optimistic. I wish I was more um, understanding or more sensitive. You know, there's something about uh, our character that we would really wish we could change. And if you can't think of something, I guarantee you, you could think of one thing that you could change about your spouse or your kids or, you know, I, I guarantee that. But here's, here's the interesting thing. Uh, the interesting thing about that is as much as, you know, there'd be something we would want to change about our character and about our life, uh, what's interesting is God desires to change us even more than, than we wish we could change. Isn't that interesting? That, that God is in the business of transformation. That is God's work. And so your purpose in life is to become like Jesus. That's why you're living and breathing. That's why you're walking on this planet. Because the work that God is doing in you and in me is the work of transformation and change, making us more like his son, Jesus. And I wanna, I wanna talk about that this morning. You know, the moment that you became a Christian, the very moment of your salvation, whether you remember that moment or not, is the moment that the Spirit of God started a work in you, and He's not going to complete that work until your days on this earth are finished. And so, and so the moment you gave your life to Christ, He started changing you. And one of the ways that He changed you is He changed you spiritually. You became born again through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what that means is that means that before you were a Christian, you could not respond to the things of God. You had no power in and of yourself to, you know, to walk in obedience you know, to God's commands and to God's word. And so what needed to happen is a heart change. And so God changed you spiritually and you were born again. But he not only changed you spiritually, he also changed your identity. And so the moment you became a Christian, you moved from being an enemy of God to being, a, a, to being sons and daughters of the, of the Most High God. That's, pretty, um, that's a pretty amazing transformation, wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? So you have a whole new identity in Christ. You belong to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords as the result of the salvation that Jesus brought. So he not only changed you spiritually and not only did he change your identity, but he changed your liberty as well. And so the work, the power of the Holy Spirit did inside of you at that moment of salvation is he set you free from the power of sin in your life. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't struggle against sin and sin's not a present reality in your life. It certainly is and will be until the day we die. But what it does mean is through the grace of God, we now have the power to overcome sin in our life. And, and that's a big part of the work that he is doing in us. But there's still another way that God has changed us. On the moment you, you, know, you committed your life to Christ, God changed your destiny. He changed your destiny. 
So no longer are you eternally lost and separated from God, but now you are eternally saved and adopted and a part of his family. And so what all of that means is that now, um, you know, your, your purpose in life is to become like Jesus and to let him continue the work that he has started within you. You've often heard me talk about or say this phrase that God is working, right? You've heard me say that. So we, you know, on the mission trip, you know, God is working or student ministry camp, God is working. So when we say that, what do we really mean? What we really mean when we say that is God is working to transform hearts and minds because that is the work that God does. And that's what I want us to look at today. Now, as Pastor Dave mentioned, you know, we're, we're revisiting uh, our deep and wide series and, and uh, we're kind of sharing the vision that we have for our church. And, and so we, we like to describe the vision in three B words. And hopefully you know these B words better than I do. But we talk about belong, you know, and being a part of God's family. And we've, we have really sensed that, uh, what God's family is all about this week. Well, this morning, I want us to talk about the middle B, and that is to become like Jesus. So what I want us to do is I want us to uh, look at 2 Corinthians 3, and uh, we're going to read just a short passage this morning. Let me just give you a little bit of setup, because you're going to read this, you're going to be like, I don't know if I understand what he's really saying here. Let me, let me just briefly set it up. What the Apostle Paul is doing is he's talking about the change that the Spirit of God brings in our life when we respond in faith. And what he's doing is he's bringing us back to Exodus 34, where, where Moses goes up on the mountain and meets with God. He has an encounter one-on-one with God. And Moses sees the glory of God. And so, and so what we know from you know, you know, Exodus 34 is that, is that he came down on the mountain and his face was literally glowing with the glory of God. And so it was illumined. And it was glowing so brightly that the people of Israel couldn't even look at him. So, so he had to put a veil over, over, his, over his face so that, so that the people could see, uh, so that people could look upon Moses. And so what Paul is doing in this passage is he's simply comparing the change that happened in Moses' life on that day with the change that happened in your life and my life through Christ on the day that we became a Christian. So, so hopefully that sets this up. So I'm going to invite you, if you're willing and able, let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. We're in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through the end of the chapter. So Paul writes this, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, but not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the reading of God's holy word. You may be seated. So what is he talking about? He's talking about this veil that Moses used to wear. 
And, and, and the veil is kind of a metaphor. He's using this veil as a metaphor. And, and the veil separates people from God. And so what the veil is, is sin. And so sin keeps us from seeing, you know, God's glory. And so what Paul is talking about is when we came to Christ, when we were saved, when we came to, came to him and experienced that salvation, that veil was taken away. And what that means is you and I have a whole new relationship with God. We can see God's glory. We don't see it fully, but we can see it because the veil's been removed and we can experience the presence and the goodness of God. In other words, our relationship with God is entirely changed. Now, the key, the key word in this passage that we read is actually found in verse 18, and it's that word transformed, because that's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about the change that God has started in us and, the, and that God will complete in us. And that Greek word for transform is metamorpho. And so we get the word metamorphosis from that. And it means to change. But it doesn't just mean to change. It means a radical change, a complete uh, restoration, a complete change. I, I don't know if you guys realize this, um, but you know, the city of Indianapolis has been completely transformed over the last 30 years. Uh, you know, when Luann and I started dating, which was, which was about uh, 30 years ago, you know, I would take her downtown and there was like nothing downtown Indianapolis. I mean, there were a few places to go, but it wasn't a downtown destination. It was just kind of like, it was just kind of empty and barren. And just really over the last you know, 30 years, they've completely changed downtown Indianapolis. So now we have the convention center. Uh, you know, we've got Mass Avenue being developed right now. We've got uh, Lucas Oil Stadium and Bankers Life Fieldhouse and obviously Circle Center Mall. We got all of those things. And so what has happened? There's been a complete change downtown. And because we live in central Indiana, we don't really think about it. We don't really notice it because we're used to it. But I think people come into our city and they think, wow, that, that's an amazing, this is, this is a great city. This is exactly the work that God is doing in us. And you don't always notice it. You don't always realize it. But he's working to bring change. And it's that that I want to talk about today. What I want to do this morning is I just want to share with you three truths about the transformation that God is working in every believer this morning. All right. So let's talk about what it means to become like Jesus. Here's, here's the first one. Becoming like Jesus and growing into his image really is a lifelong process. I've already hinted at that a little bit. But becoming like Jesus, it's a lifelong process. Now, what, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by this is that it's not instantaneous. You know, God's work of changing our character doesn't happen in a microwave. It happens in a crock pot over time. It really does. It doesn't happen in a minute. It happens over the course of a lifetime. God is not in the business of growing dandelions because dandelions, especially in my front yard, spring up in a minute. But God is in the business of growing oak trees. That's what he's doing. And it takes a long time to grow an oak tree. And what he's doing is he's growing the character of his son in your heart and my heart over the course of a lifetime. Let me show you this from scripture. Look at verse 18. And let me just show you what I mean by this. He says this. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of, of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory 
to another. Now, he's talking about this unveiled face. And so when we came to Christ, that veil was removed, and now we experience his glory, we experience his presence, and we experience his grace. It doesn't mean, you know, it means sin has been removed, basically. So it doesn't mean we don't struggle, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, but it means that there's been a fundamental change. There's nothing between me and the Lord. And so as a result of that, we're being transformed every day. And if you look at the verb tense of, you know, that verse 18, when he talks about being transformed, that's a present active tense. That's what's happening to us right now. And if you're in Christ, he's changing you. And you may not feel it, you may not realize it, but he is, and it takes a lifetime. And there's a theological term for this, and it's called sanctification. Now, let me just kind of illustrate this. We're going to do a little theology this morning, all right? Uh, so, so just kind of dial in with me. Let's say that this is the day that you became a Christian, all right? What happened when you became a Christian? What happened was justification. We've talked a little bit about that. Justification, when you came to faith in Christ, what God did is he forgave you of your sin, he removed your guilt, and he adopted into your family. That is justification. All right, come over here to the end of your life, and you die, and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so as a Christian, you are immediately in the presence of Jesus when you die, and so you receive a glorified body. So this is called glorification. So on one end, you have justification, where your sins are taken away, and he's, you are declared righteous. On the other end, this is glorification. You receive your glorified body. Now, the question is this. What is this space in between? Well, it's really simple. It's sanctification. And what sanctification is, is God growing you, changing you, purifying you. And it happens every day of your life. God is working in you to grow you and change you. And that process is called sanctification. Isn't that amazing to think about? We go from justification to sanctification. And when God has done glorification, I look forward to that day of glorification. But that in-between time, the time you and I are walking through right now, that is sanctification. Now, I guarantee you, if you think about, you know, if you think about your past life, you know, just your past history. And I went around, if I went around with a microphone and I asked you, tell me about the times that you felt closest to God. Tell me about the times in your life where you really grew in your relationship with God. I think many of you would probably share things like, well, it was, you know, a lamplighter retreat or a walk to Emmaus or it was a women's retreat or a men's retreat uh, or it would be something like a Bible conference that you attended or uh, maybe you read a great book uh, or you know, uh, you were in a small group and you just really grew from one or all of those experiences. I guarantee a lot of you would share that. And, and that would certainly be true. God uses all of those things to grow us. But catch this. Do you know what the primary way, the primary means of God to grow us and change us is? You want to know what that is? In this sanctification time in our life, the primary means that God uses to grow us and change us are circumstances, circumstances. Now you were expecting me to say the Bible. He certainly grows us in his word, you know, grows us through his word. And we're gonna talk about that in a minute. But the main way he grows us is through circumstances in our life. 
Do you know why that's the main way? Because you deal with circumstances 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is the number one way. It's the number one thing that God uses to grow us and to change us. And church, once you understand that that's your purpose in life and my purpose in life, life really begins to make sense. Because you begin to see that the pain and the adversity and even suffering in this world are means that God uses to bring us closer to himself, to change us and to walk, you know, to, to help us to walk closer to him. It doesn't mean that all of our circumstances are caused by God. But it does mean that God uses all of our circumstances to bring us closer to himself. And so, in other words, another way of saying it is this, that God uses problems to bring us to reliance upon himself. I love, I love how Joni Erickson Tata uh, says this. Now, she was, she's, she was paralyzed. She's confined to a wheelchair. And she says this. She says, when life is rosy, we may slide by with knowing about Jesus, with imitating him and quoting him and speaking of him. But only in suffering will we know Jesus. And so what is she saying? She's saying that there's something that happens when we go through the darkest valleys of our life that God uses to bring us closer to himself. There are certain things that we learn, you know, in suffering that we never learn in any other place. And the way that I like to describe it is this way. Um, I, I like to say this, and you guys have heard me say this over and over, but life really is prep school for eternity. It really is. You know what prep, prep school is? Prep school is the school where they get you ready for the, for the next step, right? And, and so this life on earth is preparing us for eternity. And what that means is there are tests that we've got to take in this life. And those tests are relational, they're marital, they're spiritual, they're physical, they're mental, uh, they're financial, certainly. They're all kinds of tests. And what God is trying to do is he's trying to grow our dependence upon Jesus. And so, and so a lot of us think that if we follow Jesus and we obey him, he'll give us an easy, comfortable life. No, he, he's doing something. He's at work within us to transform us. And he uses these circumstances over the course of our life. Let me show you this from scripture. Romans 8, 28. This is the apostle Paul writing and he's just instilling confidence in the Christians in Rome. And he says this, and we know that for those who love God, all right, for, all, for everybody that is a believer, for all of those who love God. So raise your hand if you love God today. Okay. For all of those who love God, now notice what he says, all things work together for good. Now, does he say some things work together for good? You know, the retreats and the Bible studies and, you know, the Bible conference. No, he's not saying that. He's not saying some things work together for good. What he's saying is for those of us who love God and are called according to his purpose, all things from here to here, all of those things God uses for good. So the question is this, what is the good that he brings out of all things? Christ-like character in me and in you. He's growing us and changing. That's the good. 
So God uses those things to bring us closer to him. Let me show you this, verse 29. Because oftentimes we don't read verse 29. We know verse 28, but we don't know verse 29. But let me show you this because verse 29 takes it one step further. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of his son. So before the beginning of time, God predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what he's saying. And so God uses all of these things, all of these events, the good, t- you know, the good times and the bad, the, the hard times and the, the, the wonderful times. He uses all of those things to, you know, to make us and to conform us into his image. That's what he's saying right from Scripture. And so God uses everything for good. Now, what kind of impact should that have on us? If you had absolute confidence that God is using the valley that you're walking through right now to bring you closer to him. How would that change your outlook, your perspective towards that valley? Well, it would give you joy, wouldn't it? Because you knew that God's using, you have an awareness that God is using that peace, that, that problem to give you, that give you peace. He's using that difficulty to, to make you into his image. That's the kind of impact in, that it would make in your life. You know that whatever problem of adversity is not going to sink you because you're a, son, you're, you're a son of God or a daughter of God. Isn't that amazing? That's the difference that it makes. And so as we think about Scripture, you know, you know, God could have kept Joseph out of jail. God could have kept Daniel out of the lion's den. He could have kept Jeremiah out of the slimy pit. He could have kept Paul from being shipwrecked numerous times, but he didn't. You know why? Because God was using those circumstances for good in those men's lives. And so problems really force us to depend upon God, to come us, to bring us to a place where we are depending upon him. It's, it's kind of like this. Think of it this way. Think of yourself as a precious jewel. You're God's diamond, if you will. And so, and so what does a jeweler have to do with a precious stone or a diamond? He's got to use a hammer and chisel and he's got to shape it. He's got to shape it so that it's, it can be used. He, can, he needs to shape it for his purposes. And that's what we are. We're God's precious stones. And he uses the hammer and the chisel of adversity to grow us and to change us. Now, if you're really stubborn, uh, he's not going to use a hammer. He's going to use a sledgehammer, right, on that. Uh, and if you're really stubborn, he's not going to use a sledgehammer. He's going to use a jackhammer. So, so here's the thing. What you want to do is you want to say in the midst of this, this problem, this difficulty, not why me, but God, what do you want to teach me? How do you want to change me? And let his refining fire Let his hammer and chisel do that. And you will see and experience God's joy in your life. That's that's the process that is lifelong. And so that's the first part of it. No, becoming like Jesus is not only an ongoing process or a lifelong process, but becoming like Jesus, secondly, is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me show you verses 17 and 18. Let me just show you this again. Look at verse 17. Paul writes this. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if, you, if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God in your heart. And so what that means is, 
you know, you've been set free from sin. You've been set free from trying to earn your salvation, trying to be a good person, trying to do more, be more, you know, have more. You've been set free from all of that. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Your spirit is now free to worship God. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in insecurity. You don't have to live in doubt. You've been set free from that. That's what he's saying. And then notice verse 18. And we all with unveiled face, because that sin has been removed, we behold the glory of God, right? The glory of the Lord. And we are being transformed. Now notice what he says. He says this, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So what he's saying is the work of transformation is the primarily the work of the Holy Spirit in my heart and in yours. That's what he's saying. Another way of saying it is this, this way. Now look at, look at me. God the Son, Jesus, is your justifier. God the Holy Spirit is is your sanctifier. Does that make sense? So you have the spirit within you and what he's doing is he is bringing you closer to the father and to the son every day. And so think of it like, think of your favorite movie. All right, so every movie that Hollywood puts out has an executive producer. So they have somebody that's kind of overseeing the whole movie. And so that somebody raises the money for the movie, sets the environment so the movie can be filmed and shot, oversees the script. Every detail of that, of that movie is really overseen by the executive producer. Do you know who the Holy Spirit is? He's living inside of you. And in the drama of sanctification, he is your executive producer. And he is working to bring you glory through, the, through his power. And so that's what he's talking about. Let me show you this. Romans 8, 11 says this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you, he who raised Christ Jesus uh, from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells within you. So as a Christian, you have uh, the Holy Spirit. Now think about that. Think about the implications of that. You know, uh, I don't know if you know the name Angelo Dundee. Uh, Angelo Dundee, um, you, you, I know you've heard of Muhammad Ali, right? Angelo Dundee was Muhammad Ali's corner man. He was Muhammad Ali's trainer and head corner man. And so literally, it was Angelo Dundee that made Muhammad Ali float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Hey, ain't nobody messing with me. You know what I mean? I mean, behind, behind all of that, was Angelo Dundee. And so they asked him about his work. I mean, he coached several boxing champions throughout his lifetime, and he described his job as a corner man for Muhammad Ali. And he said, you know, sometimes as a corner man, you're a surgeon, sometimes you're an engineer, and sometimes you're a psychologist, and sometimes you're all three in one. Do you know, as we walk through this life, you know, from being born again to glorification, we don't need a psychologist. We don't need a surgeon as much. You know, we, we don't need an engineer. What we need is the power of the Holy Spirit, who is our ultimate 
corner man. Does that make sense? And not only is the spirit of God in your corner, he is in your heart. Your heart is the residence of the Holy Spirit. And so he is the one that brings this transformation about in our life. Now, we have a role to play in that. It's not like we just sit here and say, okay, spirit, do your thing. No, we have a role to play in that. And so there's a, there's a place for where we work out our salvation so that the Spirit of God can work in us. So how do we, what role do we need to play? Well, part of that role is, you know, being a part of a community of faith like this, where we worship together, we pray together, we fellowship with one another, uh, we grow together. So we put ourselves in that position so the Spirit of God can work. That's part of the role that we play. Now here's the last one. All right, so we talked about this is an ongoing process. The spirit in us is the what accomplishes that, is that. But, but the spirit becoming like Jesus is also accomplished by the power of the word of God. Now look again at verse 18. I wanna go right back to verse 18. Now notice what he's saying. He says, and we all with unveiled face, so the sin removed, we behold the glory of the Lord. And as a result, we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Now, what does it mean to behold something? If you were to behold something, what are you doing? You're seeing it, aren't you? So if you were beholding the Colts game today, you would, you would see an amazing touchdown pass from Andrew Luck, right? And you would be seeing it. You'd be viewing it. That's what it means to behold. And so the question then becomes, if he's talking about we behold the glory of the Lord, then where do we see the glory of the Lord? Where do we see that? Well, the answer is right here. What the word of God is, church, is the revelation of the glory of God. And so when we go to the word and we read and we meditate and we pray the scriptures and we, we memorize the scriptures, what are we doing? We're beholding the glory of God because what the scripture is, is the revelation of God's son to a prodigal sinful people. That's what it is. And so if you want to know what God is like, read the stories of Jesus because it's in the stories of Jesus where you see God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. It's where, you, where the glory of God is revealed. And so Moses went up on the mountain. We don't need to go up on the mountain. We just open up the word of God and the word takes us to the mountain. And so God's word is unlike any other word. And so, and so Jesus says, you know, the words that I've spoken to you are spirit. Again, there's that emphasis on the spirit and they are life. And so that's the, one of the ways that God changes us is through us reading his word. It's, it's not just a doctrinal guidebook. The word of God, what it does is it defeats temptation. It, it works miracles. It brings forth life. It imparts joy. It infuses hope. It, you know, creates faith. It frightens the devil. It does all of those things. And church, when you are reading it and receiving it, those things become a reality in you. Those things become a part of your life. And so it's like the word is your milk. It's like the word is your bread. It's like the word is your meat. Uh, the word is your sweet dessert. And so so the question I have is this, how's your eating lately? How's your spiritual diet? You know, as your pastor, I'm concerned that maybe some of you are just kind of malnourished. 
You're just not feeding on the word of God. And so, and so you're not defeating temptation and you're not walking in wisdom, right? And, and you're not you know, experiencing faith. Why? Because you're not beholding the glory of God. And so the way that God changes you is through the spirit working in a process through the word of God. That's how he changes you. And so how are you doing with that? You know, some of us, you know, we, we come to church, you know, um, once, twice a month maybe. And, and, and really, this is your only intake of the word of God for the entire month, just once or twice a month. And the thing that I would say to you is you're going to starve. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be defeated. You're, you're going you're gonna to really stunt your spiritual growth and change. And so, church, our spirits are alive and they need to be fed by the word of God. Let me just... Let me just share with you three ways that you can, you can be fed here at Stones. You know, we, um, we regularly offer classes here at Stones. And um, we offer Bible classes. We offer life skills classes based on, you know, God's word. And, and so, uh, you know, this coming January, we're going to be launching a whole new set of classes. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be launching Financial Peace University, and, uh, which is a class about, you know, what the Bible says about stewardship. You really need to take it if you haven't. Uh, we'll be, um, you know, probably offering a, a class on Christian apologetics where it just talks about, you know, questions we have, you know. We want to create a place where it's okay to ask questions. You know why? Because God has the answers for us. And so uh, we're hoping to offer a class on the Psalms uh, next, starting next January. And so you need to be thinking about that. And you need to be, hey, which, which class do I want to jump into right now? And so part of our, our vision as a church for the future is we would like to have a Bible training institute here where we're offering a lot more to a lot more people. And uh, we, want, we just want to see people grow, right? And to, to behold his glory. And so that's a part of our, you know, of our five-year vision. Here's another thing that I would encourage you to do. And this would be great as we go into Advent, you know, the, the, the weeks leading up to Christmas. If you're not reading the scripture daily, download a Bible reading plan leading up to Christmas. And you can go to uversion.com and they've got all kinds where you can, you can read a lot of scripture or you can read a short amount of scripture, but you, get, you start getting that daily intake and you really start sensing uh, God's you know, transformation, sanctifying work in your heart. I, I just encourage you to do that, uh, to download a Bible reading plan. The last you know, thing that I would encourage you to do if, if you're not in a group, because I think a lot of our church already is, but you need to get into a D group. You need to get into a discipleship group. And a discipleship group is just a group of other like-minded brothers and sisters in Christ where, you know, you're, you're all saying we want to grow in our knowledge of the word. And we understand that that's best done in community. And we're committing to one another in, in really receiving and in, in taking the word of God in our life. It'll change your life. And that's, that's when your faith's gonna start getting traction because you've got people to pray with you, people to encourage you, people to disciple you, people you can disciple all in that one group. And so I, I just wanna encourage you. We're gonna be launching new groups in January and uh, you need to sign up you know, for that. And that's just, those are just a few ways that we, that we just create those environments for you to grow. Now, let me just... Let me just share this and, and then I'm done. I, you know, what if, what if in three months I gave you something where you would have less anxiety and more peace? 
what if I could give you something where in three months, you know, and probably even sooner than those three months, you had more joy and less discouragement, more faith and less doubt. You know what you would say? You'd say, Scott, give me what you're talking about. I want that. That's what I want. Here it is, church. There it is. See, if you're, if you're walking in worry and anxiety, you're walking in doubt, you're walking in discouragement, it could be that you're not walking in the Word. And so it's the Word of God where we are fed. Let me share with you one story. I don't know if you know the name G.K. Chesterton, but G.K. Chesterton lived in, in London, um, England, and he was a, he's a journalist, he was a poet, he was an author, and he was on the street corner in London, and this reporter comes up to G.K. Chesterton and says, pardon me, Mr. Chesterton, but I, I need to ask you a question. And Chesterton said, well, go right ahead. And uh, the reporter said, well, the news is out that you've converted to Christianity. And he said, well, that's true. And so the reporter said, well, can I just ask you one question? What if the risen Christ all of a sudden appeared, you know, right here, right behind you, what would you do? And Chesterton looked at the reporter and said, well, he has. It's not a question of if, you know, he's alive. He is alive and he's with me every day. He walks with me every single day, Chesterton said, with absolute confidence and assurance. Now, the question I had is, where did he get that kind of confidence and assurance? That he could look a reporter in the eye and say, Jesus is with me every single day. He got it from the word of God. From a daily dose of life in the spirit and that transforming work. And I guarantee you, if you leaned in on the word of God like that, you would see huge changes in your everyday life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet and, to, and a light unto our path. God, it gives life and it gives joy and it gives peace and it changes us from the inside out. And I pray that as a church, we would be uh, men and women and students and children who are devoted to your book. And so God, we thank you for the life that has happened in Gwen Smiley's heart. And we ask that life would just be multiplied in us today that we would experience your grace and your love that we would be a church that's growing and changing every day that we would be a church where people see more of you in our lives every day God let that be may it be true of us through your spirit in a process by the power of your word and all of God's people said, amen.